ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to take this moment to say thank you for listening to the Real Rescue Podcast. It means a lot to me that you enjoy these stories as much as I do. Since the start of this podcast, we've had a lot of support from all over the world. It has been amazing. Now, we have companies joining our team that also want to say thank you for all that you are doing out there standing the watch. These companies are offering discounts on their products as a way to support the rescue community and those tuning into the Real Rescue Podcast. Just go to therealrescue.com, click on Sponsors, and see these incredible offers for yourself. This episode of the Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Access. Because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, clear communication is of the utmost importance. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And Versalips, to be your best, you need to squat your best. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Axness PNG wireless ICS system can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere, at any time, on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircraft worldwide. I have personally used the Axness system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at axness.com. That's A-X-N-E-S.com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, longline, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With the certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering another 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment. All you got to do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast, The Real Rescue Podcast, and they'll take care of the rest. And Versalips. When you're at the gym working on your squats, building your leg strength for the next rescue mission, depth matters. If you're like me, getting below parallel on your squats is tough. Well, allow me to introduce Versalips Heel Inserts. These gems have become one of my new favorite accessories in my gym bag. Simply place them into your regular training shoe, either on top or underneath the insole, and BAM! You've got a heel lift benefit of a weightlifting shoe, but the comfort and flexibility of your regular trainer. So the next time your workout just has heavy squats, grab your V2 strength inserts. Or how about a run, pull up, push up, air squat, and another run? Grab your V2 endurance insert. Or my own personal workout of running, clusters, and ring muscle-up. Grab your original V2 inserts and go crush it. 
Check them out today at vlifts.com or on Instagram at Versalift. And when you're ready to get a few pair of your own, make sure you get your 10% off with the Real Rescue discount code. Squat well, friends. Coming up next, we've got two guys from SAC Metro Fire Department out of Sacramento, California. This dynamic duo comes to us with two of their rescues that they had, one of them being extremely recent from the recording of this podcast. So please welcome our brothers out of SAC Metro, Mr. Matt Dargan and Ryan Kahn. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Real Rescue Podcast. Uh, today, I've got another set of guys, guys plural this time, from SAC Metro Fire. Now, the first time I had a guy from SAC Metro Fire, that was Mr. Ryan Ross, uh, episode 23. So if you get a chance, go back and listen to that, hear what those guys, because I was there, like, when, well, not totally when it started up, but, you know, like, revamping the program, and Ryan was one of the main guys out there. And Oh, my gosh, it was so fun to listen to him, but that's okay. You know what? He is, he's not here right now. You guys are. Yeah, I'm freaking stoked because we're going to talk about two cases and one that just happened recently. I saw it on Instagram. I was blowing up. Anyway, talking too much. We've got Mr. Brian Kahn. <laughs> I have the con. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, that's just funny. Nope, not the first time I've heard it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, anyway. And Mr. Matt Dargan, both of them firefighters for SAC Metro Fire. Uh, and the reason we're going to talk to these guys is they had a rescue, actually both, they were on the case uh, of the rescues we're about to talk to, uh, talk about as crews. So police operator and rescueman on the hook. Is is that, did I get that right? Is all that right? Yep. Yep. Sweet. Well, guys, welcome to the podcast, man. Stoked you guys are here. Thanks, yeah, man. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Now, usually I go into like a background about all you guys and, you know, how you got into it. And but I'm going to kind of skip that today. And I, I know that's, you know what, maybe I'm not. All right. Give me a short version. Matt, give me a short version. How the heck did you become a firefighter and into air ops? Uh, so I started out, um, I was in the Army for about 10 years, uh, moved to California specifically to work for this agency. Uh, I was looking for a couple of things. I was still in the National Guard at the time. Uh, wanted to move into aviation. So I looked around for a fire department that had a pretty good aviation program, uh, as well as was close enough to something in the National Guard where I could go be a flight medic. Uh, Sacramento was pretty much the only opportunity. So moved here, uh, joined SAC Metro, got into air ops as quick as I was eligible. And then in parallel at the same time, I spent a bunch of years flying for the California National Guard as a flight medic. Now here I am. Nice. Very nice. All right, Brian, how, what happened? Like, how'd you get there? Oh, gosh. Uh, I got picked up at the agency in 2016. And um, one day, Bryce had sent out an email that it was, you know, training opportunity looking for people to play victim for um, some air ops training. So I signed up for a night flight and uh, came out with these guys and got hoisted a few times and then um lo and behold they you know flew some positions for their ops program and i applied and interviewed and i think just bugged them enough until they finally uh <laughs> brought me up and... hey guys hey guys can, can i come play hey, hey guys yeah, i had a really good yeah. time guys guys i i want to come i want to come like yeah. come on let me in let me in <laughs> yeah i was the total total groupie <laughs> that's awesome Oh, I love it. <laughs> hey, you know what? Whatever you got to do to get on the helicopter. I'm just saying. That's, that's my philosophy yeah. too. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, we're going to talk about two rescues that you guys had, which is kind of cool because the first one um, in particular was, Matt, if I remember correctly, it was your – oh, no. Was it Matt? Was it your first one that you had ever done after you qualified? Uh, no, that was – I was a rescuer. We had a fair amount of – um business during the summertime uh i was a rescuer at the time and then the mission we did on new year's eve was my very first mission as a flight officer as a qualified flight officer 
Nice. Okay. All right. Sorry. I got that a little bit off. Right. But I mean, that's cool. So now, and that was the first time you guys had gone out as a crew, like tandem, you, you two together. We had worked some shifts before, but that was our first actual um, legit rescue with each other. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. That's good. All right. Well, I'll tell you what tones drop. What's uh, what's the call? Well, this was kind of a different event. Um, I had worked a shift here and, you know, we went out and did some, some training flights and whatnot. And I got home, you know, pretty regular night for me, just had some dinner and was hanging out and, uh, funny, but my German short hair pointer makes his way on my bed every now and then. And, uh, he was kicking nice. me in the middle of the night. So I woke up and I'm trying to push him around and I'm like, you know what? I got to take a leak and, you know, I'll get him reconfigured. So I couldn't get back to sleep. And uh, I'm always cruising Facebook marketplace for, you know, deals on all kinds of different things. And I belong to this Facebook group and it's a gal who has a scanner and she always posts kind of everything that's going on you know, locally where I live up in Auburn. So I log on and I can't remember exactly what the post was, but it was along the lines of, you know, one confirmed deceased, uh, other major injuries, uh, you know, outside of Nevada city. And it said no night shifts available. Oh, so man. that struck me that struck me as odd. So I get into the comment section and one fella said, you know, my agency is assembling to hike in and, you know, assess the injured person. So I messaged him and I'm like, Hey, is this like legitimate or is this all kind of hearsay? And he says, yeah, like it's happening right now. So at this point, I want to say it's probably 1230 at night. Oh my. So I'm like, I'm like, am I going to be the guy who calls Bryce Mitchell, my boss, you know, at almost one in the morning to tell him about this? Um, yes. Yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I gave him a call and I said, hey, this is going to sound totally bizarre, but I read this on Facebook. It sounds like it's legit. Do you want to call uh, the comm center and get some intel? Um, and he said, yeah, I'll give him a shout. And. I think he called me back right five minutes later and said, yeah, come pick me up. We're going to head to the station. And uh, Matt and Doyle, James Doyle, came in. They had, had the aircraft pulled out and we got all of our stuff set up. Um, flew in. It was, you know, I don't know moonlight. It was just yeah, uh, extremely, extremely dark. Um, so yeah, we flew in and we're able to, uh, Matt went down and packaged him and we we're able to get him hoisted out and fly him to a trauma center. Oh my gosh. I think you're the yeah. only guy I know that scrolled through Facebook and found a rescue. Just go figure, right? Out there. <laughs> no tones, just. I gotta take a leak and let me see what's on Facebook. Oh, look, we're gonna go save somebody. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Oh so my god. Uh Matt, how was the hoist for you? First time hoisting. Uh, yeah, it's you know, Brian's really underselling how challenging it was to get out there because it was zero percent of loom inside of a canyon with about 500 feet worth of canyon walls on each side. I mean, it was- Oh my gosh. I mean, it, was, it was dark and we couldn't see a single thing. Um, so getting in there, you know, was, was a huge challenge. Um, but the ground crews had just gotten there and, uh, you know, we, we worked pretty closely with a lot of them and they were just, they were on the spot. They'd already treated the kid. They already packaged him up. Um, you know, 80% of the work had already been done. <clears throat> So by the time I got down there, uh, they knew, you know, they knew what was happening. We've worked with them before. Uh, they knew what equipment I was bringing. 
So as soon as we got down there, they were ready to help, you know, open the bag and we got them stuffed in there super quick. Um, and then we had to figure out how to get out of there, you know, uh, because, you know, we, we were pretty much stuck to using a tagline for it. Um, and, you know, the positioning, like we got hoisted into a pretty tight spot. So there wasn't really a good way to set a really good fleet angle on it. And uh, so luckily the ground crew had a lot of experience operating the tagline and uh, was able to was able to help out a lot um i think i was only on the ground for maybe 10 minutes um and that was that was perfect like they, they had it all set up for us package them up and get them out of there was was the easiest part so and then treating them on the way is a real trooper i mean kid was in pain but he was he was handled it pretty well all things considered so I dropped him off at the hospital and last i heard he was doing okay so, wow yeah. oh my gosh no as a reminder yeah. to everybody uh if if you haven't already gone back to listen to riots all of you guys are paramedics so everybody like in the aircraft is a yeah. voice operator yes. or a, well, you guys call him a, a, the what do you call it the tactical flight officer yeah our, our flight officer is the hoist operator okay and then everybody that's on the hook is also medics so yep. that's always nice mm -hmm. to have you know, so when you guys get up into the air, now all of a sudden you got two medics treating one patient or whatever. And yeah, yeah. super helpful. Oh my gosh, dude! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Found on Facebook. Oh my god! Yeah. You can't Just make this shit up, dude. You cannot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know what? Um, I out of curiosity, like. Do you know how far they had to hike into that kid and or hike back out? Had they had to like ground pull him out? It's a good out? distance. I want, I want to say it was the tune of six or seven miles. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was You're no. It was on a litter, six or seven miles out of the location. That was no. They they carried the stuff. They carried the stuff no, 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 in no. about six miles. Right, but I'm saying like. Uh, oh if, yeah, getting if out you guys hadn't awesome. shown up. Yeah wow yeah. yeah that would have been a, that would have been a tough tough hike out yeah oh, would have taken a lot of people yeah yeah what the heck i love it i know no, i absolutely I love know. it well yeah. done boys well done in a canyon yeah. 500 yeah. foot walls on either side flying in a huey yeah. huey likes to go one direction <laughs> forward yeah <laughs> And from what oh I recall, I think that was a like a two hundred foot hit. Yeah, it was. It was a long one. Yeah, we we pretty much stretched the cable dang near to its limits is because of the trees too. So, <laughs> you know, we need to work on your fine details. Two hundred foot hoist as well. <laughs> Jeez, oh <my. laughs> I think it ended up being one hundred eighty feet total. You know, for the for the evolution, but yeah. <laughs> All right, as somebody that's done a high hoist and stuff and, and like pick people, that's a long way. Like yeah. in the canyon, fully extended. Holy shit. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Well done, guys. Well done. To you and hey, your man. entire crew, like pilot, ground crews, awesome. Well done. <laughs> yeah, worked out well. Uh, all from Facebook. That's yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sorry, it still tripped me out. Like the whole start of it. Yeah. Hey, is this going on right now? Hey, do you want help? Hey, yeah. Hey. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's... All right. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go on to the next one because right now I I'm I'm really curious as how this one's gonna go too. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I kind of a day in the life for a, like a 24 hour period, because the way you guys are on duty recently, and I say recently within the past two weeks of this recording right now, California has been getting smoked with rainstorms and flooding. Oh, yeah. And it's been like, um, as a matter of fact, President Biden just announced that California is in a state of emergency because mm -hmm. of all the rainfall this happened, which is kind of funny because California always seems to be in a drought. But right now right. they're like, whoa, 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 turn yeah. that faucet off. Um, now with that, you guys come on, you're working 24 hour period, and uh you guys get called out on some um some a couple of things here, but one of them in particular is what I saw on Instagram. So hit me. What how'd that roll? 
so the rescue that we actually affected was not the first mission of the night. Um, I, a lot of us were either like on shift had already went home. The aircraft was only staffed to 20 hundred hours that night. Um, and then the levy, there's some workers doing a levy survey and ended up getting trapped by moving water. So there's a special call out for us to come in and uh, work an extraction plan for those two. Um, they ended up being able to get them out via other methods, but I think the decision was made because, you know, the storm was only getting worse that we just staffed the helicopter for the rest of the night and hang out on standby. And, uh, you know, that night was, it was New Year's Eve, so everybody was already out and about. And by the time everybody started coming home for the night, you know, the, a lot of the roads were flooded. People just wanted to get home and, you know, the, the amount of cars and people that were trapped was starting to, was starting to overwhelm resources pretty good. So we spent a majority of the night just working with our neighboring agencies on standby, you know, whenever they thought somebody got swept away, you know, we'd either stand by or we, you know, launched on one mission, um, looking for somebody, you know, uh, and then we were in the what final two hours of our shift, yeah. looking at you know, closing closing out and uh, getting our, our notes ready for Passover. Um, they get a reliable report of two individuals who were swept away uh, out of their vehicle um, in the you know south area, um, like out the of thing that they So they uh, real quick, like I, the way I'm picturing this right now is they drive in to what they think they can drive through car gets yep. stuck right. they go to get out to go back to where they came because the car is now dead and then the river or the the swift water takes them away. wow yep, okay that's, that's what it sounded like happened in that fortunately that story was pretty much the story that happened several times that night in a lot of different locations that was happening all night long wow. um and it was creating a creating a huge challenge the thing that made this one different though was um they had already made contact with the victims who had gotten swept away they were talking to them over the cell phone um but they didn't have eyes on them so with that being a, a reliable report we had just launched and were headed straight towards that area um and when we got there um they had already made contact with them told them just turn your cell phone flashlight on and wave and because we were flying mbgs spotting them was not a problem we went straight there found them um but simultaneously there was another vehicle that had gotten trapped with two people in the back of the truck um and the engine crew had made an assessment and wanted to make that vehicle the priority because they were concerned that because their type three engine was already you know getting bogged down uh that the vehicle was going to get swept away from the water so they wanted us to work that extraction first um so when we did our assessment, you know, we, we looked around and it was right next to some power lines squished in between some trees. Uh, they had already, you know, made contact with them. So they had eyes on them uh, and there's already a boat that was dispatched. So we knew we had two groups of people that needed attention. We decided to, because of the position of the power lines and all the other factors going on with it, we decided to defer that rescue unless the vehicle started to move and then we would readdress it. But because there was already an injured crew looking at them and there was a boat on the way, we decided to shift and turn our attention to uh, the two victims that had nobody working their rescue at the moment. So when we got to the area, they managed to get out of the water and into an area of dry land, but there was no way that they could get out of it from there. Luckily, the land was big enough where we were able to set the aircraft down without having to do a hoist. And uh, it was perfect. You know, it was a bit soggy. So, you know, but we were able to get all the skids on the ground and, and pull them in. And uh, as soon as Brian went out there, uh, they said that there was a third victim that nobody was aware of. And it was their, um, an elderly family member who was injured and not generally mobile. And they could hear him screaming for help, but nobody could see him because it was pitch black. Uh, so by the time they pointed to the area, we found him under some trees and uh, he was not in a good way. <laughs> so I define was... not in a good way. So uh, when we got the intel from family, um, I looked around and I'm like, I don't see anyone else. Cause I had exited the aircraft, walked him over and then this whole talk of 
hey, you know, my grandfather's out there came up and I'm like, I don't see anybody. And then um, I believe Dargan called it out first. Um, he's like, yeah, he's under that tree, hanging on to the tree. So I put a flashlight on him and I'm like, okay. And he was just, you know, geckoed on to this tree. And you could tell, like, he was very pale, elderly, um, and just with the uh, dynamic water, it was cold. Um, just there were a lot of things that were kind of not in his favor. So, um, you know, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, time was, you know, of the essence to, to make a plan to uh, affect the rescue. And this is all while well, you guys are on deck loading the other victims in. Yeah, we're we're landed right now. Yeah, like trying to trying you're to figure looking out at what a dude, a, an elderly guy stuck in the trees, getting hammered by swift water or yep. flooding yeah. water. It was, it was moving fast. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. We discussed some options as far as, um, you know, kind of doing a live bait swim over to him. Um, I walked over to the edge and kind of decided against that. Um, my biggest issue was, you know, if I don't get him the first time, you know, what's that look like? Now we're kind of burning up the clock a little bit. Um, but it was a big oak tree and it had a very large canopy. so from the end of the canopy to make your way into the trunk, I would guess, I don't know, six, eight feet. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, wow. You know, okay. it, was, it was a large tree. So um, Matt and I had a quick conversation and, you know, we decided we'll uh, lift up. He'll put me down into the water. I'll stay on the hook, swim over. Um, and you know grab them get me out you know obviously yeah. the the branches and the cable were going to be an issue but um you know at that time like it was one of those where you gotta you gotta in a in a smart way hang it out to right oh yeah you know, totally make it happen. um so we went up went through uh, our checklist and uh i geared up with a strop and uh typically um the way i've trained with it i'd leave it all connected so i could just go over the head and cinch you know and capture the person um because of kind of the way he was on the tree i left one end out because i didn't want to risk having him take one hand off and then we lose him so I wanted to go around his torso, make my connection and all that good stuff. So he lowers me into the water and uh, I make it into the water and I feel, you know, I touch ground with my feet prior to my chest. Oh, nice. So oh, okay. I'm okay. like, cool. Yeah. I'm like, this is great. I can just, you know, walk over there and grab him and walk out like this is kind of best case scenario given the challenges that we were going to have with this hoist so i get about i don't know five or six feet away from the victim and the ground is gone so now i'm swimming uh, <laughs> I hate it when that i'm happens. like all right you know of course yeah i wasn't gonna be that easy right so uh i swim over to him and i grab on to this little you know branch that was grown out and he looks over at me and grabs uh my night vision goggles and just pulls my helmet down oh no and he's got like the yeah so he's got like the thousand yard stare going on and i'm like okay like i see how this is gonna this is gonna go um, so I'm trying to get his hand off my goggles, put it back on the tree, hold on to this branch. And, um, 
I start to try to get the strap around him. He grabs onto my goggles again, kind of starts to pull us both off. I kind of get him, you know, back onto the tree. Um, so we did this for a while. Uh, where it kind of became the most difficult is we have uh, like P cord that's secured to the goggles and a carabiner that clips into the back of our helmet. So in case they come off, like we don't totally lose them. Well, yeah. he finally got a hold of that 550 cord and just had a death grip on it. And I'm like trying to hold on to the branch and peel his fingers off from the 550 cord and all the while like treading water so i'm starting to you know tire out a little bit and he's altered so it's not like he's taking any instruction that i'm trying to give him um all the while somewhere in this i bumped my axness to push to talk so we weren't on box anymore so i wasn't able to talk to matt about anything that was going on so um oh, geez, oh, man. i think he finally yeah so finally i think he just kind of got tired out and i remember him just kind of like letting go and going back so i you know got the strap around him weaved it through and was just trying to keep him up out of the water you know um and then i was trying to do this whole one-handed thing to clip into my system and hold on to this branch and um i can hear matt talking so as all this is going on like literally i would say within probably a 30 second period i hear him go okay it looks Looks like Brian's made his connection. You know, he starts conning the aircraft where he needs it. And lo and behold, uh, the victim grabs the P cord again and just wrenches my neck over. So I feel Matt start taking cable in. So I'm like, okay, I can let go of this little branch that's been, you know, my savior through this whole time, you know. Um, <laughs> I forgot to Thank add you, to little like, finally on my so much. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, I forgot to mention, I, I finally opted to just pull my inflation system on oh. uh, my harness. So that way I had some buoyancy to, to work. Um, so I wasn't totally tiring myself out. Good idea. And uh, yeah, it actually really, really helped. And I mean, you know, those things inflate so much. You're kind of like doing the Chris Farley thing, you know, where it's got your <laughs> face pushed up and everything else. But um, yeah, it was super helpful and it, it definitely uh, assisted in the operation. So uh, yeah, as he was saying, hey, it looks like he's made his connection. I feel him start to pull cable in and victim's got my head wrenched down and I'm trying to hold tension on the strap. So like hand signals aren't, a thing at this point right and totally. uh yeah so it was just kind of it was happening um <laughs> so they get me out from that canopy and you know the cable made its way out with without issue yeah. which was awesome and uh yeah he hoisted in and we just ended up uh i don't know know how much he took me out of the water that's probably like 10 yeah, feet yeah, not very much yeah just enough um, to get you to short haul without dragging you yeah so they uh started you know up helicopter and i'm like all right you know i know i'm starting to come out of the water and i feel my system load and i'm like god please like let this guy stay in the strop you know we've gotten this far um and sure enough brings me up and you know, he's in the strop secure. Uh, and they short hauled me over to that piece of land where we had gotten um, his granddaughter and wife uh, sat me down there. I came off hook. They made a lap and, um, you know, I got disconnected and 
they landed and um, I had a second rescuer come out to help me drag him to the aircraft because at that point he was he was alive um but he was you know flaccid just dead weight um and he was exhausted yeah and he was a bigger fella and i was pretty pretty spent so we uh got him in and were able to go land on a road with a uh ambulance that was standing by to receive him Holy shit. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Question, uh, um, Matt, you've got, you're, you're looking at, um, you're looking at Brian down in the water. Like what is, what is going through your head? Him, like he's, he's got, like, I, I know you see it, but you don't see it. Like, you I didn't know I did what's not going on, but you don't know what's going on. No, uh, we, we started off so well, you know, I saw him, I saw him get in the water. I'm like, okay, he's walking towards the victim. I'm like, all right, this is, I was in the same thing. I'm like, this is going very well for us right now. Um, and I, I knew when he was going to dip under the canopy that I would pretty much lose a visual with him. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is because at that point comms was working just fine. So, you know, I heard him make contact with the patient. Um, you know, I, I heard the challenges he was running into. Uh, you just hear, you know, what was going on. And then uh, all the combo dropped out. So, you know, I, I had figured something had happened, either, you know, water in the headset or we had just lost it or it, it doesn't really matter. I'm like, you know, okay, I've, I've, lost, I've lost the rescuer. We were aware of it, but, you know, I could still see just enough of him uh, where, you know, I could kind of make out what was going on. Um, but for a lot of it, it was, you know, our, our biggest concern was we can't put ourselves right over the tree because we can't pull them out through the tree, obviously. You know, we're willing to take a little bit of risk putting the cable into the edge of the canopy, you know, to be able to do this rescue because we have no other choice. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, we didn't want to be completely over that tree because it's, they've already gotten pummeled with wind pummeled with rain and the, the way we're going to make this worse is if we drop a branch on them you know so so we knew where we had to be and i did not have a great visual um you know con and i have trained and hoisted a lot and when i could tell we were completely out of sync on what hand and arm signals he was able to give i could tell something was going on like yeah his face you know, I, I, I no yeah. What? eat the water <laughs> yeah i know yeah i had no idea that he was in a wrestling match at the moment but I could tell, like, okay, something's up, but, you know, he's not, uh, they're all secured in the system, so let's, you know, let's make this work. Um, yeah, there was, it wasn't a great visual, but, you know, by the time, uh, by the time I thought that they had made all their connections, you know, it, all the movement that Colin was doing, it kind of stopped. So I figured either, you know, now is, now is the time to either extract him because something has happened to him, or the rescue is complete. So, you know... <laughs> But now we're kind of, we're at the absolute limit of our fleet angle, you know, for the hoist. Yeah. So you know we're kind of we're kind of running into some technical limitations. Uh, so pulling them out was probably one of the bigger challenges to make sure that you know we were pulling out slowly, bringing the cable in, you know, making sure that we weren't uh, pulling them through the trees. Uh, and that was that was a bit of a challenge. And the the feeling the feeling of seeing him swing back under the aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> with the victim <laughs> was a really good feeling because at that point you know it was just it was a short haul to to close it out so so what made you make that decision instead of hoisting them right up to the aircraft uh so we don't generally like to hoist somebody in the strop into the aircraft um cool. we will We'll do it if we have to under extreme duress, but even in that scenario, we'd rather just hold them in a safe and stable position until we get them to the ground. Because that transition from, you know, outside to inside the aircraft, especially when they are dead weight, is one of the most dangerous things. So we knew we had a good landing area. We just picked two people up from there. It, you know, it was it was a no-brainer that a short haul was the right call. Sweet. So we, yeah. yeah. I man, I so I'm all aboard on all of that because like what the there's like a start goal, the dude's in trouble. There's an end goal, get them to safety. However you yeah. do it, yeah. get them there. 
Check. Yep. Mission complete. <laughs> exactly. Man, oh my gosh, you guys. That's legit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, gosh, I'm not even sure where I want to go with like next questions and stuff, but uh I, I'm all excited right now because I'm like, I, I just want to get into some swift water training right now. Let's go. <laughs> um when you guys get up to you know the victim into the uh into the helicopter and stuff and, and like after you landed you did the pattern so you just kind of lower them down uh via the hoist right get it right on ground you pull them back up on on the land there brian and then do your assessment and, and that's it like you guys do a pattern in the aircraft matt you come in you land and then load them up bring them to the ambulance and that's that's said and done right that's it yep yeah yeah um from from the time that um the hook went back up to the time they landed um in his current state like the the assessment was pretty easy like he was in bad shape it's not like we were going to have dialogue about you know his baseline mental status and are you in pain and this and that it was just more <laughs> of a you know like this needs to we need to get him loaded up like right now and get him to the ambulance like right yeah. now and start, you know, working on him there. So, um, wow. Yeah. You know, what's interesting was... to me is like, is that sense of, and, and you had mentioned it a little bit ago, is that that sense of like relief of Holy cow as a rescuer, we've got them, the victim and we have them to safety. So for us, it's like a, Okay, I'm I'm out of the danger zone. I'm I'm in this nice calm area. The victim is going through the same thing. All of a sudden, they're like, ah, I don't have to like hug like bear hug a tree or boat or whatever they're on, and they're like, oh, yeah. I'm saved. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Oh, dude, you guys are freaking amazing. That was badass. <laughs> Under the canopy, six to eight feet. I can see it now. Yeah, like cable coming in you, you're at a, that fleet angle using the helicopter and the hoist to kind of pull out from underneath the canopy of the tree coming out of the water short hole over to the land i know i just like sit up and breathe it and, like this oh yeah sick i love it <laughs> man I, I think it's worth i think it's worth mentioning too uh when i first got hired at this agency matt was you know like my fto and taught and um my academy and whatnot. So we were partners for quite some time. And then uh, I ended up coming to the firehouse that he worked at on a different shift. Um, so we've, you know, ran calls together and definitely learned, you know, how each other operate. And uh, I really feel like that played a huge part in the whole operation, like having the friendship uh, and the bond that we do, um, crossing over to the air op stuff um, was really helpful. You know, you just, it kind of gives you um, a sense of relief in a way. You're like, okay, we've, we've done this dance before just in a different capacity. Um, so that was huge, you know? <clears throat> yes. When we, when we were on the ground and kicking around the ideas on how are we gonna do this, you know, a land-based rescue seemed like the best option if we could pull it off, but there became a point when we knew we couldn't. And now we were gonna do a hoist that you would, on paper, you would never agree to, but you know, obviously it's different when you're looking the guy in the face and you're like, okay, cool. I'm gonna no, let the cable pull the trees. You know, we're gonna we're gonna mitigate this as most as quick as we can. But the the part where that that you know training relationship and working together came in was, you know, we we had to take a second pause and get the entire air crew on board with guys. This is the plan. Like, does anybody have any other any other suggestions? Otherwise, we gotta go with this one. Um, where's everybody at with their comfort level and being able to have that being able to have that dialogue to do to manage that risk assessment was you know we we took we took our we took our normal training and condensed it and made it go so quickly that we never rushed ourselves but we added enough tempo to it where we you know we knew what we had to do and we had to do it quickly so it it 
paid off. Like all that training paid off for this exact situation. So hell yeah, dude. What? <laughs> Pie drop. I'm out. <laughs> um, all right. So I want to talk about two things real quick. And the first one is you guys are using the access system. And for those that don't use some sort of wireless communication from the guy on the ground, the rescue man on the hook or on the ground to the air. Oh my gosh. Start looking into it. Um, so there's, I, I totally get it too. So on the access system specifically, if you push that front push to talk button twice off the top of my head, it will kick you from uh, hot mic to push to talk. And then you have to actually push that button. So now if your hands are totally full and you don't have access, you can't, the only way to do it is like lean into it and hope you hit that button at the same time. Now, at the same time, uh, Brian, the fact you can hear everything that's going on in the aircraft. And as soon as Matt says, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to pick him up. I think he's ready to go. You're now bracing for that. Okay. Uh, whether you're ready or not, you, now you turn into a yeah. physical grip if you need to, to get to that point. Yep. The fact you can hear what's going on in the aircraft is a game changer. It, it just, it makes the whole world between the guy on the ground and or on the hook and the guys in the air just oh it's there's yeah it, did you guys have any more to say about that because i mean you guys were the ones using it and i mean one yeah i mean we lost we lost uh his ability to talk but you know two-way communication is what you want one is still better than zero i guess so you know yeah. at least at least we have one way of communicating so you know we can make it work with what we could well and and you just said it too like me being able to listen if I got to a spot where, you know, me and this guy were going to keep going back and forth. You know, my, my plan was to just capture him, you know, and when he pulled me out of the trees, he would visualize that and, you know, adjust accordingly. Um, so yeah, being able to listen to him was huge. Uh, because like you said, now I can, you know, make my adjustments and, you know, prepare for, uh, the rest of the operation going forward so nice. it's uh yeah it was nice that way and i get it i mean i don't you know i think access is wonderful i mean i know it's a popular product and it works extremely well um it was just happened to be that one scenario where i just bumped it just right <laughs> you know what i mean and murphy's uh, law Stupid. yeah exactly <laughs> gosh Messing our game up, messing our mojo up every freaking time. We think we're coming in to do something cool. It's going to work out great. Nope. But uh, yeah, it was uh, very, very nice to be able to listen to uh, what what he was saying. So I can, you know, base my actions around that. Yeah, love it. Um, next, uh, next kind of question is going to be for you guys as far as a debrief item and or like stuff that you learned from that, that you would do again next time or let other people know out there and be like, Hey, if this scenario happens or similar to you, what would you guys pass on to everybody? Actually, let me start with, uh, let me start with Matt. Cause you were in the air. Let me start with the air. What would you do different or, or leave the same? Um, man, what, you know what we, we did the debrief. Um, and what came out of it was more, what came out of it was was more a testament on aircrew coordination and uh and the training than the actual rescue like we had the right tech you know we had the right airframe we had the right you know equipment to do everything um the only thing we had never really accounted for and you, you know how do you train for something like that like you can't train under a tree with your simulated victim fighting you you know that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can never train for that you know so we um, if anything, it was just more of a testament on uh, on getting comfortable with our equipment, knowing what the limitations of that were, and then stressing it in as many scenarios as we could. So at least when we got to that call, you know, 70% of it felt familiar. So we're only trying to figure out the other 30. <laughs> Perfect. I like that. Uh, Brian, same thing. What would you pass on to everybody that had to go through that that same or similar scenario? You know, uh, looking back on it now, just um, not getting locked into one plan, being able to kind of, 
okay, this is, this is my goal, but if it doesn't work, what's, you know, what's my next step? Um, that was the biggest takeaway for me because there was a point where I'm like, I, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to, to put a strap on him and I'm just going to have to bear hug him. Um, but yeah, so just kind of being able to keep an open mind in that situation as to, uh, you know, Hey, what, just like when I was walking out there and I'm like, Oh, this is going to be great. It's like, Oh, okay. Now I'm swimming. Uh, just kind of being able to, to roll with it, but still think, um, quickly and act, um, in a manner that's going to, you know, give you success on, on making that pick. Love it. Love it. I really like the idea about you uh, inflating your vest too. You know, it's, it's, it's there for a reason, not just, yes. Like we can use it in many aspects in many different ways. So gentlemen, Holy shit. I am so glad you guys came on to tell these stories. Uh, well done to, to you guys, your whole crew and, and success. I'm, I'm freaking stoked right now. Um, I, there is video on Instagram. You guys go to SAC Metro air ops off the top of my head. And, uh, yeah, you guys gotta go check it out there. I'll see if I'll see if you if you guys could send it to me. That'd be even better. Hey, you got it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, I will. I'll tell you what, man. I don't have anything else. I like I said. I thank you so much for coming on and just sharing these stories. Um, if you yeah, guys thanks for having us. With anything having else, us. you're more than welcome to. But other than that, I, I can let you guys go. I know you're on yeah, duty, so. It's <laughs> great chatting with you, man. Yeah, All thank right. you, Jason. I will see you guys in hopefully March if everything goes out, and we'll we'll hang out. Yeah. Grab a beer for sure. All right. Good, good. right on. Sweet. Hey, thanks, guys. Right. And uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Go. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com. That's jason at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q.com. You can also check us out on our webpages, therealrescue.com, our Facebook page, and our Instagram page, at The Real Rescue. Again, a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember, when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>